We've been talking a bit about the impact of Brexit and the pandemic on society. And what I really wanted to do was to spend a bit of time talking today about what effect it's had from your perspective at Revolut and from the perspective of your users, what you've seen in terms of the wider move away from cash and whether that's been a bit of a assistance to you in terms of your customer base? The sort of fairly obvious change was that obviously less travel. So predominantly people had used us a lot as their travel card because of the ease of uh, foreign exchange transactions at very low cost. And obviously they were grounded straight away. But what we saw very quickly was people beginning to use it as an everyday product. Uh, And I think we did see as well the switch away from from day-to-day cash people aren't going people you know very early weren't going to atms nearly as much and were switching to online purchasing but also more and more retailers switched to contactless and you saw governments in europe uh, help that process by raising the contactless limit fairly early in the pandemic which just simply made it much easier to go and buy you know, your kind of three or four day shop at your local grocery store. So we saw a lot of shopping locally. We saw a lot of, you know, quite a lot of our customers are certainly in the UK are urban, less so in other countries. So we saw a lot of local shopping close to your home uh, among people who previously probably were quite heavy users of, you know, restaurants and entertainment. And of course, once those were closed, they switched to, you know, to buying local. Have you seen that reverse of late? Because there's certainly some indication coming through that the grocers are doing a bit less well as everybody scrambles to get away from their own cooking and back out to restaurants. Well, we did see actually the time we really saw a huge boost was um, eat out to help out. So when that was on, people really took to that. And we could see and that was a kind of I think it was a Monday to Thursday promotion from memory. And then, of course, you know, in the past, you would have seen pub closing, Uber use, and then a club, whereas then you simply saw pub closing, last tube, end. We did try to track for a bit whether people were buying a bottle to take home, but you couldn't take your friends home, so there was very little point in that. Where you're from in Ireland, we have a big customer base, as you know, timber purchases throughout lockdown. You know, I said to one of our people in Dublin, do you think everyone is buying a shed or building a shed? And the Irish statistical industry is that, yes, everybody is in fact building a shed. <laughs> kind of so, I think they call it a showroom, which is Irish for room at the bottom of the garden. Some of what you're describing in terms of the age of your customer, um, it's pretty young customer base, but it does appear from what you're saying about the analysis that you've done on their spending, that they were very compliant with the rules from the sound of it. From the look of it, it looked like they were pretty compliant and it didn't look like massive orders of beers at home to have their mates around by the look of it. It didn't look like there was lots of lock-in. It really did look like individual small household purchasing. You know, we used to see, particularly in in cities, the pattern of spending was, I mean, the the places where spending really fell off a cliff was local public transport because, of course, people were using local public transport had season tickets, had daily tickets. They were getting a coffee on the way into work. They were getting a sandwich at lunchtime, probably going for a beer in the evening. So all of that entertainment near the office, food near the office, that fell off a cliff. And that hasn't come back in in quite the way you'd expect because an awful lot of people aren't working on that pattern anymore. 
I mean, certainly we have found when people have been moving to different locations to be with family and working, it does provide a certain complexity in terms of certainly from our point of view, and I'm sure for yours, in compliance with the tax rules. It's not as straightforward as as people with staff tend to think. No, and that's why we said 60 days, because 60 days keeps you within the tax limits in most cases. Even that, I think there's a couple of countries where you can't do it, but broadly speaking, 60 days a year means you're not going to trigger ta- you know, double taxation anywhere. We, from a staff perspective and a hiring recruitment perspective, we certainly have seen a little bit of probably a decline in how attractive it is to come to the UK for overseas students to seek work here. I'm wondering whether you've seen much of the same effect. I mean, we're a sort of high demand brand. You know, we are, if you advertise an engineering role, people want to come and they are still enchanted by the idea of living and working in London. Set against that, we can also offer greater flexibility because I think we've had a wake up call. I think we were probably not as flexible as we could have been in how we offered people in the way we offered people to work. And we now basically say the vast majority of our jobs are not location specific. You can work from anywhere. So that's enabled us to, uh, interestingly, to attract quite a lot of people here from India, among other places, but people who probably would readily have come to London, but are now a bit nervous about leaving their families because of the difficulty of traveling backwards and forwards. So people are, are not so quick to want to come. Now, is that because, I'm not sure it's because London's less attractive because of COVID. I think it's leaving your family is a bit less attractive. You know, people have been pretty horrified by not being able to get close to their families during it. You know, maybe the kind of youthful incentive to go globetrotting and set up a home somewhere else isn't quite so quick. I mean, from our point of view, we still find it relatively easy to attract people to London, but it's good to have the flexibility to be able to say, actually, if you're in New York and you don't want to relocate, or if you're in Mumbai and you don't want to relocate, or if you're in Romania and you don't want to relocate, we can allow you to work from there. Provided we can sort out the time zones with your team, there's absolutely no barrier to working anywhere. In terms of the culture side of it then, have you made provision for people to connect socially? Um... Well, mostly that's down to teams. So, I mean, I say to my team, and it's really kind of by agreement, you know, kind of is there one day a week when we can see that if, if people are coming in one or two days a week, what's the day we can all overlap so we can actually kind of do face-to-face? And actually partly that's, that, that's the social glue as well as, you know, there are some things where, that you do much better when you're all in the office together and you can just discuss things face to face as opposed to you know I slack you I set out the problem on slack I arrange a meeting that's great for an audit trail but it's actually quite slow so sometimes just going and saying has anyone done this before is the fastest way of resolving things but I also think you know in a particularly in a young business people want to be sociable so you know we announced slightly optimistically we would still have a summer party which I think was due to be Friday. But, you know, the end of lockdown didn't quite happen and that will now be in September. But, you know, there's an immense enthusiasm and good humour about the fact that, you know, well, at least we tried and we will still do it later. And, you know, kind of that. And we did, we announced, we did announce a couple of, maybe a month ago, uh, an extra two days leave this year because just we were worried about the level of kind of, stress and anxiety and you wanted to recognize that so we just said right 
there's an extra two well well-being days for everyone across the board this year plan when you're going to take them and take them for the end of the year and that also went down really well it's, it's not it's not huge but everyone just thought someone's noticed you know that was kind of good to have I'm assuming that the stresses and strains that were visible that made made you consider doing the extra well-being days were because people are short of patience and there's a bit of snappiness around. Yeah, yeah I have to say, I can't really pinpoint it was because it, it came up through HR kind of wanting to do, I think they wanted to recognise that people have worked really hard. Um, so that was part of it. I'm not sure it was necessarily that people were getting snappy, but I think it was a, you you know you, there's a bit of a kind of concern that people may be getting overstressed and you want to kind of calm it down a bit uh, and you know nick sent the message out personally our ceo and said look you know i want you to take these i want you to take this time make sure you take it and i want you to make sure you take your holidays as well we do stuff pretty fast and you need to kind of balance that with look don't read that as a signal that you need to be working all the time because that is not going to be effective in terms of how that evolves do you think there are some things that have become a bit clearer through the last 18 months so seeing people's homes seeing connections go wrong all of those things make people a bit more human is there a way do you think of hanging on to some of the better parts of it you know i will probably only ever go into the office two or three days a week and that is it's a huge huge change and actually it's much more efficient because i'm saving you know two hours or an hour and a half every day commuting so it works for me and it works for the company as well and I think that is a big change I think that is a we can preserve that I think funnily enough I think the ability to see everybody in the erratic and occasionally hear their children demanding this that and the other you know does make you a bit more tolerant of the fact that you know a lot of people are juggling a lot of things we have a parent's slack group uh, in most countries actually in all the different countries and they, and they are always a lot of them is because people are moving around exchanging notes on you know where primary schools are and what local nursery benefits are like and and that kind of stuff and again i think that probably wasn't as visible before but certainly at the beginning of lockdown there was a lot of panic of people kind of going you know i haven't got childcare anymore i haven't got this that, and the other has anyone got any ideas? So there was a lot of, it became much more of a habit to be open about the fact that you needed a bit of support. Um, and we have a kind of rev support thing, which helps you out with where to get your visa sorted, where to get, you know, what what is expected for children's health at different stages and that kind of stuff. And that, I think that started informally, but I think that will stick. And I think, I think people wouldn't have revealed that about themselves by choice initially and it's probably a good thing that people are now quite open and you know and actually it means people feel much more welcomed because people help each other out i have just rocked up in such and such city where should i live you know there's 20 people going oh my neighborhood's the best <laughs> kind of like and that's quite, that's great you know kind of and that does get you onto local notice boards and message boards and all the rest of it so you know don't go on the northern line you know so <laughs> that's a good advice indeed good advice 